Good morning. It's good to see everybody. We had an awesome time last night at our chili cook-off, if you were there. Uh, I got home. I was telling some of the band members. I felt like a float in one of the Macy Thanksgiving Day parades. I mean, I was bloated as could be. I was scared to bump anything, thinking I'd pop. I ate so much. But you know what? I enjoyed it because you guys, you, you know, I tell you you're the best cooks in Reedsville. I tried everybody's chili and then went back and had my favorites. And it was too much because we also had desserts. And I had to try, as a pastor, you have to be honest with your congregation and say, yes, I did try it. And I tried everything and I ate everything. And it was delicious. But yes, I am paying the price today. I am paying the price. Hey, turn in your Bibles to Colossians if you haven't already. The book of Colossians. You know, I truly believe in the doctrine of illumination. I believe the Holy Spirit illuminates for us what he wants us to see, what he wants us to get. And a word, a particular word jumped out at me in this text because I'm studying Colossians and I may park here for a while with you guys. Um, And it just really got me. So look at Colossians chapter one. I'm starting in verse 12 through 14. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of of sins. The title of today's sermon, the three words straight out of this text, is qualified, delivered, and transferred. And that's what we're going to talk about. Folks, to qualify for something means that you and I have become eligible. We have met the requirements to a benefit or privilege, okay, by the fulfilling of a necessary condition. Let me say that one more time. We have met the requirements, right, to a particular benefit or privilege by the fulfilling of a necessary condition. How did we qualify? And what did we qualify for? Some of your Bibles might say made us meet. That's the same thing, made us meet and qualified. But the necessary condition that was filled, that's what grabbed me when I saw that word qualified. Now, We are giving thanks to the Father for this. It starts right off the bat, giving thanks to the Father. So we have been made eligible, qualified, if you will, for an inheritance through the Son, an inheritance in His Son, right? We get to share in this. And not only do we share in this inheritance, the Bible tells us it's with the saints in light. Now, that's important. See, the promise of this inheritance has been prepared for us since uh, it was made to Abraham. We're going all the way back to Genesis. Uh, Genesis 12.3, they'll put that up for you. Genesis 12.3, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We shall be blessed. See, the blessing of Abraham was fulfilled in the Son. That's Jesus Christ. The seed of Abraham, if you will. In fact, Galatians 3.16, Galatians 3.16 says this, 
Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. Folks, God made an unchanging covenantal promise to, uh, to Abraham. And what we find here is that promise was fulfilled in Jesus. Now, don't get confused with all this. I will summarize. Galatians 3.29 says this, And if you were Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. See, Paul is telling the Galatians that they are united to the one seed, that's Christ, and that they share in the blessings of this inheritance. So yes, a promise was made to Abraham way back, and people looked to that promise being fulfilled in Jesus. We look back to that fulfilled promise in Jesus. But everything points directly to Jesus. He was the fulfillment of that promise. So yes, we do belong to Christ. And we are Abraham's seed, not by blood. You won't find yourself on the family tree. No, it says heirs according to the promise. We are through the promise. We are through that blessing. So we, my friends, are partakers in an inheritance with those who are already living eternally with the Lord. In this light, this is, guys, this is a symbolic word. This is very symbolic, especially for the Jewish culture. And it runs, it runs all throughout Scripture. Holy, pure, true, goodness. But what I want to do is I want to take that light and I want to contrast it with the darkness. So we can see in contrast with holiness, right? We can see sin in contrast with holiness. Death. We can see death contrasting with salvation, we can see danger contrasting with safety, with protection. We can see messages of error like we spoke about last week. We can see those contrasting with truth. See, for us, this inheritance with the saints in light, well, it is the Lord who is the source of this light. God alone enables you and I to live in this light. So guess what our goal is? To move toward what? That light. That is the goal of a Christian. We have been qualified. I want to look at Galatians 4, verses 5 and 7. Now, I picked this for a particular reason. Galatians 4, 5 and 7. To redeem those who were under the law so we might receive adoptions as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, guess what? Then an heir. Then an heir through God. We started out being qualified for an inheritance. We understood the blessing and the promise in Abraham, the fulfillment in Jesus. That blessing continues to you and I. And here we see the blessing takes over. We see the adoption. The adoption as sons and daughters. Being made children of God and an heir through him. And if you are an heir, you will receive an inheritance. You guys remember those books, Reader's Digest? 
Reader's Digest, they actually have some cool things. I found this, and I, it moved me. It moved me big time. Uh, a contributor told of her Aunt Ruby and Uncle Arnie, who adopted a baby boy after five years of trying unsuccessfully to conceive. To their surprise, a short time after the adoption, Aunt Ruby discovered she was pregnant, and she later gave birth to a boy. One day when the two boys were eight and nine years old, the teller of this story was visiting her Aunt Ruby and Uncle Arnie, and a woman in the neighborhood came by to visit. Observing the children at play, the woman said, hey, which boy is yours, Ruby? Well, both of them, Aunt Ruby replied. The caller persisted, no, 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 I mean, which one is adopted? And Aunt Ruby did not hesitate In her finest hour, she looked straight at the guest and replied, I have forgotten. Isn't that amazing? I have forgotten. They're both mine. See, when we were adopted as God's children, we quickly come to enjoy and cherish the rights of being his child. As sons and daughters, he forgets, he forgives, right? He chooses to forget our sins and our wayward past gives us the full rights as sons and daughters, children of God, and he treats us as if we've never sinned. He treats us as if, I don't know which one I adopted. I love them both, they're both mine. Isn't that amazing? We were adopted, made children of God. We are heir to the promise, meaning we have an inheritance. So we have been qualified. So we are an heir through God. This inheritance, right, it's because we are heirs. You know that. We were adopted and made children of God. We've got that. But as sons and daughters, we have been made to meet. That is, we have been qualified for this inheritance and blessing because of Jesus. We did nothing. We did nothing. It is because of Jesus. And this is why we are thanking the Father in the beginning of our text. Because qualified through his Son, there is our qualification. And notice something, he is not making us meet. He is not making us qualified. We are not talking about a progressive growth, right? But boom, a once and for all qualification. No, in our adoption, you and I, along with all the saints, have been placed in a new standing. The fulfillment of a necessary condition has been met. We thank the Father for the Son Praise God that we have been qualified. Isn't that amazing? And you did nothing. You did nothing. But you, my friends, you are qualified. Let's talk about deliverance. That was the next part to this. Delivered you from the domain of darkness. We have been delivered, and listen to all these R words, ransomed, reclaimed, restored, redeemed, rescued. In other words, we have been saved. There are many times when the Christian forgets or dismisses the domain in which they once lived. The domain in which they once lived. We have all lived in the domain of darkness, some longer than others, but we've all been there. We've all been, excuse me, we have all lived there and we've all been rescued from that domain. Now folks, I wanna get a little deep here. Satan is the ruler right now and you cannot stand against him. You can't stand against Satan, and he is ruling right now. 
He's not the ruler of the universe. He's just ruling right now. His demons, Christians don't like to talk about demons. It's icky. His demons, they wreak havoc in this world. And guess what? You cannot stand against them either. You cannot. Not on your own. Yes, they are both restrained, both on a short leash. Did you know that, the Satan and demons? They are on a very short leash. They can't just do anything and everything they want to. They are restrained by the sovereignty of all-powerful God. But they are here, and they are torturing us, if you will, with our passions and desires. They want us to fail. They want us to fall. But just as you are no match for God's angels, you have to remember this. You couldn't, come on. You think you could conquer an angel? Absolutely not. You are also no match for Satan and his fallen angels. And I want to explain this. When you look at biblical times, Jesus' times, you will see a whole lot of demonic activity going on versus today. You see a lot, and not everything's recorded, but you see a lot of demon possession. You see a lot of casting out of demons. You see a lot of healing. A lot of it's going on. So not only are the healing gifts dominant in this time, so is the demonic activity. Do you know why? See, they wanted to stop Jesus in his tracks. I'm going to explain this a little more in a second. They wanted to stop him completely. They thought they did. See, there is warfare all around us. There are battles between heavenly angels and fallen angels all around us. And yes, you and I, we too are at war with Satan. We live in a world ruled by him. Go to social media, go to the internet, turn on the TV. I dare you. We are ruled by this dark domain. And again, I love you guys, but there's nothing you can do about it alone. There's nothing you can do about it alone. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Give yourself to God. Stand against the devil, and he will run away from you. How? Well, there is in the Bible, in Ephesians, it speaks to the armor of God. Now, we think we have problems with people and situations, but folks, let me tell you something. <laughs> we are not wrestling or fighting against that. Look at Ephesians 6.12. Ephesians 6.12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Folks, in our qualification and deliverance, we have been blessed with the Holy Spirit who is the power of God who helps us in this ongoing war with the devil. This is why we are able to stand. Not on us. Amen to that. Right? Because of God. We are standing on the promises of God and the Holy Spirit that resides in us. The Spirit who resides in us because of our qualification and deliver us, a deliverance, excuse me, he protects us. And guess whose name? Jesus Christ. We are protected in the name of Jesus Christ. So let's talk about demons for a minute. I told you a lot of Christians don't like it. It's icky. Let's talk about demons. I need you to know what you were delivered from. I don't want you to think, yeah, I used to do that, and I used to do this, and a little sin here, a little sin. No, 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 no. We're talking about the domain of darkness. So, demons. Um, they're spirits. 
There are spirits who play an important role in Satan's plan, if you will, in his deception. So they have a place in Satan's army, and they play a role. We got that. They're spirits. Um, some demons are locked away for good until they are released at the end. You got to know that. But there are so many demons that are on the prowl, ready to attack. You can't count them. You can't count them. So what I'm getting at here is that these demons, they had the power to mix up a man and a woman's mind. They have the power to mix up minds. They have the power to take over a body. You see this in biblical times. You don't see it as much now. And I'm going to tell you why in a second. Although it still does happen, you won't see it. It's not prevalent. They have the power to take over a body. But you know, a Christian does not have to worry about this. A Christian does not have this concern. You see, while demons work on us, they work on us. I told you that earlier, our desires, our passions, you know, those things we fall prey to, temptation, they work on us, but demons cannot enter you or I or take over our body or mind. They cannot. Do you want to know why? This kind of power is held back because the Christian belongs to God. See, somebody's home. Somebody's living here. There's no room for you. Demons cannot defeat the Holy Spirit. And the other thing is, and I want you to remember this, we are also covered, covered from head to toe by the blood of Christ. We have that covering. However, we belong to God, and we know that there's no room, right? But demons have the power still to spread false teaching. We see that. And fight against God's plans. Absolutely. They have the power to bring sickness to the mind. They have power to bring sickness to the body. They use drugs as a platform. They use alcohol as a platform. Anything of influence that would change the state of mind and turn it bad, Satan and his agents will capitalize on it. This is happening in the domain of darkness. And make no mistake, Satan is their leader, and he hates God, and he hates you. Oh, he hates you with a passion. I told you earlier that we don't see the healing gifts as much and the, and, and the demonic activity as far as possession, although it does happen. It's because this world has been given over to that domain of darkness. They don't have to possess somebody like did in biblical times. We're doing the work for them. We are doing the work, not you, brothers and sisters, but the world is doing the work for them. They can sit back in a lawn chair, put their feet up, and go, this is awesome. That man thinks he's a woman. Oh, they killed another baby. I mean, we can go on and on and on and on about the sins of this world and what people are embracing, and they're just sitting back, we don't have to do anything. But that does not mean that they don't work on Christians. They do, because they don't want you following God. They want you to say, wow, this, this, this Christian walk thing, it's not for me. This is miserable. Folks, we live in a world in the domain of darkness. However, we have been delivered from that. And they, listen, Satan once had the power of death. Hebrews 12, uh, 2, Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Jesus Christ defeated him and overcame death in his own death and resurrection. 
In those times, Satan and his angels, they did everything they could to make sure Jesus died. Do you even realize that? The activity at that time was in place to kill Jesus. Listen, but we know demons knew who he was, don't they? Oh no, you're the son of God. You're the holy one. They knew who he was, yet they didn't worship him. And they thought ending him would seal the deal. If we could just end him, this will stop. But oh no, Jesus rose victorious, conquering death forever. However, demons do not worship God, but they acknowledge who he is. We see that in Scripture. See, they thought they had finished him off, folks. They thought they had finished him off. Whew. I'm glad that guy's gone. Now we can really turn it, turn it up to an eleven. The reason I went so far in depth to demonic activity, because we dismiss that a lot of times, the reason, can you see even more what you and I have been delivered from? Can you see what we've been delivered from? We could do nothing against Satan's power, yet we have won? How? Because we were qualified by the Father through the Son, and we were delivered by the Son to the Father. Praise God for our rescue, right? Praise God for our deliverance. Let me ask you something. Did you think you were worth the price that God paid for you? When he ransomed you, do you think you're worth the price? Because the Bible says this did not come cheap. So let's pretend together. <clears throat> you know how I love to tweak your imaginations. We are at a great auction house, and they're auctioning off art, and we hear this clerk say, yeah, yeah, he paid $25 for this painting. And then we hear him say, oh, but this, yeah, this one over here, he paid $600,000. Now, before we even see what the paintings look like, can't you and I begin to judge the value of these paintings? Can't you and I say, oh, that $25 one, is, uh, the $600,000, wow. Can't we begin to judge? Absolutely we can. And now I say, hey, come here, come here, let's look at the pictures. So here's the $25 one. There's a bunch of them. He's, the artist is selling for $25. He wants to sell as many as he can. You know, let's say they're dogs playing poker. That's the picture. Y'all ever had that picture hanging in your house? Dogs playing poker? $25. So then you come over to the other side and say, well, I want to see what this one is. Maybe it's a Rembrandt or a Picasso, some famous artist. And you look at it and you go, wow. And you can see the value in both pictures, but even more, the price. We look at the price and we can see the value that was paid. We can judge ourselves by the price that Christ paid for us. Do you see the value that he sees? A lot of people don't. You are very valuable to him. And we rob God, a lot of people rob God, of what he did because they don't see the value in themselves. What a shame. We can all say this. We can all say, hey, how great was my sinfulness? We can all say, hey, how great is my sinfulness? We can all say that. Look at the depths of our just old nature. The depths of the depravity, right? Folks, but we have to look at something. We have to look at the height and depth of God's love for us. Your deliverance was at great cost, being delivered from the domain of darkness. So yes, we thank the Father for uh, him qualifying us. He qualified us first, and then he delivered us 
through his son Jesus. Do you understand how imperative it is to understand what you were delivered from? But then something else happens. We get transferred. We're transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. All right. Just like the words qualified and delivered, I love the word transferred as it is used here in Colossians. Transfer, basically, what? The move from one place to another. That's simple. You know, we can find a great connection. We can find an interrelated theme, if you will, between this text and that of Exodus 6. Exodus 6, verses 6 through 8, say this. Say, therefore, to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. See, we got a connection here. We got a connection here. Just like the people of Israel were rescued from the bondage of Egyptian slavery and placed into the promised land, so too the Colossians were once in the domain of darkness but are now placed in the kingdom of his beloved son. This is not a physical relocation as we see in Israel, moving to the promised land. This is not a physical relocation. This is you and I entering into an intimate relationship with God by faith, connected, united to him in love. This is the kingdom we're entering. As Jesus taught and ministered, he declared the kingdom of God as a present reality that could be experienced here and now. Did you guys know that? The kingdom, of course, absolutely, it is a future reality for us. The kingdom is a future reality. But folks, Matthew 6.10, from the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus initiated the kingdom on earth. And wherever God's will is carried out, there is that kingdom. His kingdom is a reality. It is true that his kingdom has not fully manifested yet because we know what's coming. We know what we're entering into because we were told about our inheritance. That kingdom is coming. However, Jesus asked the Father to bring down the experience of heaven to the earth. So through the Son, Jesus, God's reign, because if you're going to have a kingdom, you have to have a ruler. Through Jesus, God's reign and his power are available to us, not just in the future kingdom, that one that will be manifested. No, but in our present reality, in our present reality. This is why a Christian should truly examine their lives and ask God through the Spirit to reveal the areas in which we have not fully surrendered to God's rule. If we're in the kingdom, there is a ruler. Are you following the rule of that king? Hmm, we gotta check ourselves, don't we? That's why it's so important to turn to Scripture and pray to God, where have I not surrendered? I know there's a great anticipation. 
I know that there is a great anticipation when God will make all things new. Think about it all the time. But you and I can actively participate now in the kingdom of God because that's where we were transferred. See, Christians can look to the work of God as a rescue mission. Think of it as a rescue mission. We were qualified to be rescued. We were then delivered based on that qualification, weren't we? And from the domain of darkness is where we were delivered from. It held on to us. Oh, it desperately wanted us. But we were delivered from that domain of darkness. And once we were delivered, we were then transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. And all this falls under that wonderful, wonderful umbrella of what we call redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God's redemptive plan and the forgiveness of sins. Qualification, deliverance transferred. We experience these aspects of redemption as a whole, not just in parts, folks, not in parts, as a whole. We experience the full significance of Christ's completed work in God's redemptive plan. That's how valuable you are. That's the blessing that's continuing. So we have received total and complete sufficiency in our lives because of Jesus. Folks, he is the reason that we are being blessed. I received this book. I received a book on my, for my birthday from a friend who wants to remain, remain anonymous. Good friend. Not only did he give me the book, he marked a couple pages, which I found phenomenal. And the one he marked about blew my mind when I read it. Never thought of it that way. I'm going to read the particular scripture to you. And I hope, it, I, hope it, I hope it just gets huge like it got me because it falls into play perfectly with this. Let me read this to you, okay? This is from the Book of Mysteries by Jonathan Kahn. The blessing with no end. We were standing at the school's western border, beyond which was the rest of the desert. Just outside the border was one of the teachers surrounded by his students. His course had begun just before ours and so had now come to its end. The students were getting ready to depart, and the teacher was saying a blessing over them before they began their journey. That will be us, said the teacher, not long from now. It reminds me of another teacher, another course, and another farewell. A teacher from the school, the student asked. No, the Messiah, he said. And the students were the disciples. It is written that he, and let me give you the verse here. So I want you all to read with me, Luke 24, 50 through 53. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Okay, there's our scripture. So it was the end of the course, and the Messiah's ministry on earth was done. So what exactly happened? the teacher asking. Students said, well, he blessed them and then ascended. No, said the teacher. It doesn't say that. It says that he lifted up his hands and blessed them, and while he blessed them, he was parted from them. Well, I thought that's what I said. No, said the teacher. You said he blessed them, and then he left. But the scripture says he blessed them, and while he blessed them, he parted from them. Why is this significant? He never ended the blessing. 
Think about that text, and this is what got me. He never ended the blessing, not on earth. The blessing never ended. You see, Messiah's blessing has no end. It has no expiration, no limitations, and no ceasing. It is an unending blessing. It is not limited to the first century or to Jerusalem or to the disciples or even to the book of Acts. He doesn't only bless them, he blesses you, and the blessing he gives you has no end. It doesn't stop because of time or space or because of your mistakes and sins. It has no end. There's just as much of it now as there was when he blessed them and he left. The blessing never runs out. It never ages. It never fails. So receive it now as new and as powerful as it was the day he gave it. And as the blessing keeps going, you do the same because all things of this world must end except this blessing. It has no end. Think about this now. That's, that's a wonderful way to look at this. The blessing never ending as he departed. So I go all the way back to Abraham and say, wow, the blessing and promises he received has continued on and on and on, even to me today, on the 22nd of January, 2023. The blessing is continuing and will continue. Right, that's huge. How do we get to the Father, folks? How do we get to the Father? Through the Son. So on Golgotha, this is where the thieves and, and Christ were crucified. On Golgotha, one man died in sin, didn't he? He did. There was one man who died in his sin. There was another man who was forgiven by Christ himself. There was another man who died forgiven of his sin. And then there was one man who died for sin. There was one man who died for sin. On that cross, the blessing that everyone looked to and that everyone has looked back to. It all falls on the Son. So as Jesus hung on the cross, and again, use your imaginations here because I know we're all gonna have a different visual. As Jesus hung on the cross, he was saying there was nothing that he would not do to provide redemption for all who would believe. For all who would believe, there is nothing that he wouldn't do. And we can see this in his completed work. That is the qualification, deliverance, and transfer of each of our hearts. We see that. Yes, we should all be giving thanks to the Father. We should be giving thanks for our inheritance and the kingdom of his beloved Son. Because what that means, it's paramount. So if we are so blessed, shouldn't we be a blessing? Shouldn't this message just get you pumped up? Shouldn't you be amped up? Shouldn't you want to be a blessing to somebody else and share this? See, I'm motivated to share this message because I'm still in shock that I qualified in the first place. I'm in shock that I was delivered from what I was delivered from. I just am shocked over the fact that I got to be transferred from that to his kingdom. And I want to share that with somebody. I want to share that with somebody. And you know, it's interesting, the first sermon we had was talking about that resolution of preaching Jesus and them crucified, and some of you joined with me. Some of you wanted that to be your resolution for the year. I'm right now hoping that more of you are jumping on, jumping on and joining us and preaching Jesus and him crucified. Because listen, to be a blessing, to give this message, I want to ask you something. Anybody I talk to, and I want you to think in your world, Coworkers, friends, family, people that cross your path, whoever. If you ask them, hey, would you rather be qualified or disqualified? Wouldn't your answer be qualified? 
right? Everybody would say, well, of course I want to be qualified. All right. If you wanted to be delivered from danger to safety, would you want that? Well, yeah, I'm not an idiot. Of course I'd want to be delivered to safety. Okay. If you could be transferred out of a bad situation or a bad place to somewhere good, what do you think? Well, of course. Folks, there lies the gospel. There lies the message of the Son. There it is. You can approach anybody and talk about qualification. You can start with transfer. You can start with deliverance. Because guess what? Every single category, which is the complete whole under the redemptive plan, points to the Son. Everything comes back to Jesus. And how do we get to the Father? We get to the Father through the Son. Folks, you and I have been blessed. The blessing is continuing. It never ends. Therefore, we should be a blessing to others. And I'm telling you, it doesn't end. It doesn't stop until Christ returns for us or we part this world. This is what has happened to the believer. You have great value. You are a blessed individual. You are a child of God, and with that, you are an heir to an inheritance that cannot fade, doesn't rust, can't be destroyed. It's yours. It's yours. We belong to a God who qualified us, delivered us, and transferred us. We belong to a great and almighty God. So yes, we should continually be giving him thanks for the blessing, and we too should be that blessing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'll start this prayer right off now, just like Colossians 12. I, on behalf of this church family, Lord, we want to give you the thanks. We want to give you the glory and the honor and just tell you how grateful we are for what you have done for us. We didn't deserve it. In fact, we know what we actually did deserve, but you saved us by qualifying us, Lord, you allowed us to meet a certain condition that forever will keep us in a standing with you. You qualified us. And then, Lord, you delivered us of the darkness. And I hope, Father, I just hope this church family understands the darkness of this world, what we were delivered from. And, Lord, thank you for the transfer. Oh, thank you for transferring us to the kingdom of your Son. We know Lord, it's here now. We're actively participating in it, Lord. You rule as our king. Father, we know that one day we will see it as it's supposed to be. All things made new. We know the inheritance that we'll be stepping into. We can't fathom what it looks like, but we know that it'll be there because we believe that our God loves so much, us so much, and they see so much value in us that he would send his son to die a horrible death. Satan and the demons thought they won, Lord, they did. But you conquered death. If we praise the Father for the Son, thank you. Thank you, God, for conquering death through your Son. Thank you for delivering us into your hands and making us your children through your Son. You saved our very lives through your Son. So right now, we pray for every heart that they too embrace this message, Lord, and want to repeat it. Share this with another, Lord, because your blessings, it's not over. And you use us. We are instrumental in continuing this blessing. Use us, Lord. Give us the courage. Give us the knowledge. Give us the wisdom. Give us the boldness. And let us speak this truth and share this message. 
Oh, we love you so much and we are so grateful. We pray all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Amen.